Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Oh, season three. (laughs) So we are back for another episode of Is It Transphobic? Um, We have with us our same three guests as last time. So I'm Ariel. I use they or she pronouns. I am guest hosting while Ashley is away. Um, So this is the second uh, episode of my guest hosting this and Ashley will be back soon and we'll be back to hosting for the September episodes. Um, I'm Hudson and I use they them pronouns. I'm Bo and I use he him pronouns. And as with last time, Bo is joining us via Skype, so his voice may sound different than ours, and that's why. Um, And this is another episode of Is It Transphobic? So last week, we started talking about the L word, and we only focused on season one, talking specifically about the characters of Lisa and Ivan, and some general discussion about what the L word means to us, and how it played a role and continues to play a role in our lives. And for this episode, we have progressed on to talking about Max, uh, giving him his whole, whole own episode because we feel that that character deserves it. So specifically, we watched some episodes from season three. Max is actually in season three, four, five, and six, and it kind of all goes downhill from there. But um, for today, we only specifically watched season three, but I think all of us have seen all of the rest of the seasons, so we might be referencing things from other episodes and other seasons as well. So, <laughs> where to begin? What about, what was your first impression of Max when you started watching the show, when he first joined the show? Great question. Now, or when we started watching? When you, when you first time you watched the show, what was your opinion of Max? What did you think about him? That's a good when question. did season three come out? Two thousand. It started two thousand six, two thousand seven. So the question is, the first time that you watched the L word, what was your impression of the character of Max? How did it affect you back then? Um, so I was watching the L word as it was, like airing. In that I would uh, torrent it after the episodes aired on my mom's computer. And uh, I remember going to like an LGBT meeting at, uh, for the local high school students in my county. And this girl started talking to me about the L word. She's like, I'm really excited for this character, Max slash Moira, because she's so hot. Um, and that was like my first introduction to somebody finding trans masculinity attractive, which uh, was like something I was like, so like, I'm not butch, I'm not mask. I'm just a lesbian, was how I felt when I was uh, a teenager. So it was kind of nice to kind of get like this like, um, you know, approval of, you know, what I would end up kind of uh, transitioning into. And uh, I hated Max on the show though. I thought the actor was terrible. Yeah, can we just talk about how Daniela C, I'm sorry, but her acting, she just needs an acting coach. And also, as you're noticing, we're using she pronouns because that is a cis female actor playing a trans man, which that's a thing. But anyway, back to the original. Yeah, I just, I I had a blog where I was blogging about the episodes (laughs) back then, and I just pretty much would talk about how much I hated Max's voice and how bad I thought Daniela C was at acting and how ridiculous the whole storyline was. Um, Even though I didn't know much about trans men or trans masculinity at that point in my life. Yeah, I think my stance on it when I first started watching was I agreed that the actor was pretty bad. Um, But I think there's a part of me that remembers feeling like, wow, this is so cool that the L word is tackling this issue. Like, that's so progressive and interesting. I think that was kind of one of my viewpoints about it. Um, Yeah, it's just season three is a really dark season overall, because that's also the season where, spoiler alert, Dana finds out that she has cancer and dies, (laughs) which is also the season where 
Max is introduced. So there's this weird dynamic where everything in the season, even the happier moments, are colored by the fact that Dana is continually getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So I remember that more than I remember the introduction of Max. Yeah, I so I was probably in the same boat as Hudson. I watched it when I was in high school. And um, I think it was, for my own identity at the time, I never, um, I never really identified as a woman at all, but I identified as a dyke as part of my identity. And um, to see Max on screen next to Shane, I remember feeling like, not that that's a comparison, but for me as a 16, 17-year-old, it was me being able to look at the show and be like, okay, this is the only representation that's out there. Right. And this is what I have to compare myself to. And I was much more androgynous at the time than I was um, a binary trans person, which I think Max seemed to say is, is created as a character as. Um, and that might be... I felt like I couldn't really... Um, I didn't identify as a woman, and yet I wasn't identifying as binary masculine as Max was written as a character. And I think that that's maybe just where I was at my evolution, but it was also some internal transphobia that I had um, towards my own gender identity and watching this character evolve on screen and into a really unlikable character um, and a character that doesn't like, I always, I always felt like, man, Max would never be hanging out with these people. Right. Yeah. It's, just like, it's, it's painful to watch, like, here's this very rural queer person that is introduced to this L.A. world and identifies um, as trans, and here are a bunch of transphobic lesbians. Right. And that, like, I don't know why he would still be friends with him after some of the things that happen in the show. Um, so he's an unlikable character for the way he was written and also the fact that, I'm sorry, but yeah, that actor is not the most skilled. Um, and also, you know, I just, I found it an unlikely story within the L word line. Um, and it also was something that I just wasn't ready to see within myself identifying with when I, when it first came out. Yeah. I feel much differently watching it now. And yeah, we'll yeah, yeah. yeah. So maybe, I mean, I think that's a good point, and it brings us back to a central theme that we talked about last week, which is the idea of there's the way that the characters treat that person, and then there's also the way that the writing and the show treats that person. So it might be helpful to talk about those two things as separate because in some ways they are even though they're obviously connected so Bo you just specifically referenced some of the transphobic things that the other characters do to Max so maybe we should get into that a little and talk about the other characters and their treatment of him and how how that happens specifically in season three but then if other stuff comes up as well we can So, for me, you know, there are some pretty obvious ones where it kind of feels like, okay, the L word is actively trying to show transphobia. Like, there's that moment where Max goes in for the interview the first time, and his, like, the people who are interviewing him, that guy who's interviewing him is like, you're neither fish nor fowl, what team do you bat for? Like, just blatantly horrible, saying horrible shit to him, and and ends up not hiring him um, because of that. So there's that. And then, but on the other hand, there's our sympathetic characters saying horrendously transphobic things. Exactly. Even the characters that we're supposed to like, like Bette and Kit and Jenny even and Alice perpetuate a lot of the transphobia as well. And I also was more aware this time watching it through of how many times Max is outed as being trans. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Can we talk about that time when Jenny just blatantly, so Jenny and Max meet up with Tim, Jenny's ex and Tim's new wife and Tim and Max are having some conversation about swimming and then Jenny just interrupts the conversation and is like, 
Max is transsex. I think he actually uses the word transsexual. I also think that something that happens a lot in the show is this show perpetuates an idea that exists in the cis world, which is that being trans and coming out as trans is the same thing as medically transitioning and that they're interconnected and that they're the same thing. Because, you know, there are several points in the show where there's conversation about Max transitioning and that conversation is also, oh, well, he's going to get the surgery and this is the kind of surgery he's getting and he's getting, you know, sex change surgery or whatever language they use. So it's this idea that being trans is, is 100% related to the body. And I think Max even says some stuff about like feeling in the wrong body. I mean, I've always felt really uncomfortable in this body. So I've decided to transition. I'm changing myself from female to male. Is Jay now? Yeah. She's helping me. No, she's helping you. She's been shooting me up with it. Wow, so you're really gonna go through the, the breast top which again some trans people may genuinely feel that way so I'm not trying to discount people for whom that is their experience but when the only trans character in your show is perpetuating this stereotype of how all trans people feel it kind of paints that as the normative trans experience which as we all know there's no such thing as the normative trans experience there's no such thing as a normal regular trans experience because everybody's is different Right, right. I wrote a list of things that really frustrated me specifically about him yeah. and about his character. And then I wrote the like redeeming qualities or like redeeming factors. Because I think that it is important to talk about like, it's not completely awful. I mean, it's, it's mostly awful, but. Yeah, that's actually a good way to structure it. We can, we can start by talking about all the bad shit. <laughs> Probably mostly. <laughs> and then we can talk about some redeeming positives, if we find any. I started a few months ago watching that season three because I was curious to revisit this storyline. Um, and from where I am now as a trans person than from when I, where I was when I was 17, um, which is 10 years ago. Uh, so one of the first things that I was thinking about was how, um, yeah, Ariel, how you're talking about how medical transition is, is uh, portrayed on the show, but also things about how that it, at moments takes over Max's persona. Um, there's multiple times where Max blames his problematic behavior and relationship interactions on hormones yeah. um, and uses hormones as an excuse to be um, really not in a healthy relationship to other people. Right. Uh, so that was hard to watch and I think that is a, there's so many misconceptions about hormones and so many different ways that it's portrayed in the media but it's very common when there's trans characters on shows that um, when or if that trans person decides to involve hormones as part of their identity, that it's often used in this, like, it's a it's a storyline that's very dramatized, and, you know, the Fosters had it too, a trans person OD'd on tea, wow. and it's like, um, okay, <laughs> like, your body pretty much turns that back into estrogen, but, you know, my understanding of it, but um, yeah. So there was that was that was one of the first things that really frustrated me about that. Yeah, that's a that's a whole topic of conversation right there. Is how the arc of the show talks about Max and hormone usage. Um, yeah, because yeah, you're right that oftentimes he behaves in kind of abusive and horrible ways, and then Max and the show blames that on. His testosterone. Yeah, and I feel like for a lot of young transmasculine people, this was like their first, like, taste of trans representation in the media. And I, you know, I didn't know that, you know, 
the L word was completely over dramatizing, like what being on T is like. Uh, like you don't grow facial hair after your first shot unless you happen yeah. to have that. Can we talk about that? <laughs> he he takes like two shots and then he has like almost a full beard. Yeah, no, and it's like sculpted too. I mean, I had face pubes for like three years. <laughs> for like two episodes has like a perfect goatee that has been pasted onto his face but yeah so basically yeah it you know it gave me and probably a lot of other people a false idea of what being on testosterone is like and yeah i mean the l word isn't supposed to be like your role model but it is for a lot of teenagers especially a lot of people who are our age and grew up with the l word Right, and I think it just perpetuates an idea that a lot of people use to medically gatekeep trans folks, which is this idea that hormones are dangerous and bad for you and can do bad things to you and, you know, that there, that there are more negative outcomes than positive outcomes. And this just kind of perpetuates that idea. Also, I mean, this is complicated because there are things about access and privilege involved in this, but... He starts taking testosterone under the counter, kind of, like, in not a medically supervised way, which, obviously, there are a lot of people who have to do that for financial reasons. So, you know, the bigger picture solution to that is to make medical transitioning and all healthcare more affordable to people, but that's a whole other conversation. But the fact that he starts off by he like overdoes his dose because no one's telling him how much he should be taking and he's taking it through like underground ways and then there's that moment where he just like leaves the needle out he like he does his shot and then he just leaves the needle like sitting on the bathroom counter so that carmen finds it and it's just like can you show a positive representation of the medical safety factors? Well, that was a plot device. <laughs> I know it's a plot device, but come on. There, there, you can we talk about how huge that needle was? It's like you could leave a hole in your skin. <laughs> I didn't notice, also, actually, but... There's a way... There's with that needle. There's a way to find that. I mean, the fact that it's a plot device, like, you could have gotten to that same plot point different. Yeah, they could have, like, found, like, the tea vial or something instead... But nope, they... He just left the needle on the thing. Yeah, and also, like, there's, like, weird abusive stuff. Like, it, Jenny and Max are, like, a, is an unhealthy relationship, and they're, like, abusive towards each other. But Jenny has... Hudson, are you saying there's an unhealthy relationship portrayed <laughs> in the L word? I don't understand this concept. Anyway, <laughs> there is, like, a whole thing about Jenny wanting or, like, kind of forcing Max to take his tea early. How's that turns me on that I'm helping you become more of a man. You are. Do you think I fucked things up by giving you your dose a couple days early? No. No? Billy said it'd be just fine. Oh yeah? Do you trust everything that Billy says to you, Max? Look, you're the one who wanted to shoot me up before you went to New York. Yeah, because I gave you your first dose. And I'm gonna just give you your second dose. And I... I want to give you all your doses because I'm excited about what we're doing. It's what I'm doing. I'm the one who's doing this, Jenny. I know that you are. And we're going to do it together. And that's like kind of icks me, like, you know, like she's controlling his transition almost. Right, well, there's that too, where she's constantly using language like, this is our transition and we're doing this together and I'm helping you with this and this is... You know, this is what we're going through. And Max does push back on her against that, which is good. But then there's also that moment where she's like, I'm writing a story about us, about our journey and you transitioning. And he, he, he like flips out. I'm writing a story about you. About me? Yeah, well, not just about you. Sort of, I don't know, about us and what we're going through. Why are you doing that? But I think that it's portraying him as being angry and irrational in that scene, particularly. When it's like he has every right to be irrational because she's totally co-opting his journey and making it about her. Well, it's Jenny. It's Jenny. Yeah. 
It's interesting. Um, I hadn't thought of this before, but you describing that, Ariel, is that it makes me think about comparing Jenny and Billy um, as these different mentors and healthy and unhealthy mentors in Max's early days on the show um, because of that gatekeeper mentality that Jenny feels like she wants to control Max's transition, whereas Billy just wants to, like, open doors for him and, like, expose him to different communities space. Yeah. Yeah, Billy, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation, which we can either have now or we can... In my mind, I reserve that as a positive thing, so yeah. I don't know if I want to go into Billy's no, lately. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, here's, here's, oh, you don't want to go there now. I get it, yeah. But we'll bring that back up again when we have, when we talk about That we things. have this, like, this negative component in this relationship with Jenny, but then there is this positive relationship that is happening yeah. simultaneously with Billy. Jenny does. Um, we can talk about the kit moment. Whew! I mean, that is that is rough and also real i mean that's a real thing that a lot of trans masculine folks encounter um but there's this moment so max wants to get top surgery but he can't afford it so jenny and the gang throw him a party a fundraising party to help afford his top surgery and there are a bunch of fucked up things about the party in general. Like they, what's that game they play? They, they, oh, Jenny. Pin the dick on the tranny. Yeah. yeah. Pin the dick on the tranny. So that's, that's fine. Um, they make breast shaped cupcakes for the party. Uh, like what are you thinking? All the trans male extras have to have their shirt off. Like they like have all these like extras who are like, trans and have had their top surgery and like all of them are shirtless and no one else is shirtless at the party. <laughs> right, but it's just like look at all these trans guys with scars. Look, we have to show these. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, at this party, Kit confronts Max and tells him that she's disappointed in him for transitioning and gives this whole speech about, you know, we're losing all of the butches and why can't we just stay a strong, fierce woman who's butch and masculine, but you can still be a woman and... Max, I know what you're about to do. It's, it's very real. But it's gonna be more than just changing your name. There's gonna be consequences. Kit, you're my friend, alright? So, if you have something to say, you should just say it. I understand some of your struggle. And I respect the choice you're making in your life. That you have a problem with. No, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just worried about you. Can't you understand? You know, I've never felt comfortable in a girl's body. So removing your breasts and changing yourself into a man is going to solve all your problems? No. I know that won't happen. But people will start to see me for who I am. You know, it, it, it just... It just saddens me to see so many of our strong butch girls giving up their womanhood to be a man. You know, we're, we're, we're losing our, our warriors, our, our greatest women. And I don't want to lose you. I'm not following some trend. And then she also compares being transgender to this mythical notion of being transracial and is like... What if I live my life feeling white inside? And then the next day I woke up and I could change the color of my skin, the features on my face to become white. Would you encourage me to do that? I don't know. I mean, do you feel white inside? What's white inside? What's male inside? What's female inside? Why can't you be the butchest butch in the world and keep your body? Because I want to feel whole. I want the outside of me to match the inside of me. You'll be giving up the most precious thing in the world. What, my tits? No, being a woman. And it's it's so turfy. It's so like turf sympathetic. Um, for anyone who might not know what turf means, it is trans exclusionary radical feminism. Uh, and like literally, what Kit has said is things I've heard echoed in the lesbian community in New York City, like, in a so-called progressive, like, place, there are, are women, like, who say, 
like, I'm so pissed there are no butches anymore, they're all trans men now, like, oh, this is terrible, like, things like that, and, like, just, it felt like this, that kid's speech was written by somebody who was really frustrated at people transitioning or their partner transitioning or something like it felt very personal right and so when we because Hudson and I were actually physically together when we were watching these episodes and we got to that point and I asked Hudson I was like do you think they wrote that to be critical or do you think they wrote that to represent that point of view and Hudson you said I think they wrote that to represent that point of view like some turfy lesbian wrote that as like the way that she actually feels and that's really sad to me. I, when I first watched it, and even subsequent times I've watched it, I've been hopeful that they're trying to, they're, they're like pointing out that this is a fucked up way for Kit to behave. But the reality is that it might be that they're actually trying to be sympathetic toward Kit's position. And we'll never really know, but... The fact that I've heard like those pretty much same exact words said to me by TERFs in Brooklyn, New York, makes me really think that it's it's sympathetic to Kit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it, I mean, without being ageist, I do think there is a generational element to that conversation. Um, it was said to me when I was growing up, um, even by my parents that said, we don't want you to become a man, and um, we don't want you to look like a man. And then... Uh, from older lesbians that I really admired and have um, still have in my life as mentors in different capacities, but that was a sentiment that um, was definitely felt when I was when I was growing up. Is like, okay, we recognize you as a young butch, but we don't want to lose all the good butches. So like, almost don't trying to trying to control your identity rather than support you as you as a person um which is which is weird because that's kind of like the underlining tone in kit is like people are people and we should just be ourselves and yet there's an element that's that's maybe an outside perspective of a trans identity when as a trans person it's like no this is me being me as a person and happy and healthy Right. And also, it brings up a bigger issue of this utopian idea that identity doesn't matter, that, like, race doesn't matter, we're all human. Gender doesn't matter, we're all human. And in an ideal world, if people didn't oppress other people over those identities, then you're right. Those things wouldn't matter and those things shouldn't matter but we live in a world where they do matter we live in a world where people are oppressed because of those identities so until we can be in this magical utopian land where everybody's nice to each other and nobody harbors any kind of oppressive actions towards others we can't just masturbate ourselves and think that like everything's beautiful and we all love each other and race doesn't matter because we're all human it's like actually those things do matter because people are dying over them so they matter until they don't, and we're, and we're not at we're not at the, we're not evolved enough as a species where we can have it not matter. So yeah, there's that moment where Claude or Maud or whatever that French girl that Jenny dates oh. is like, "What's it like having sex with a transsexual?" I'm interested. I've never been with a transsexual. That's a personal question. I only ask questions that are personal. Questions that are not can be answered by a textbook. Besides, I'm writing an article. Are we still on bads? Because I have more bads. Yeah, yeah. same more bads. Um, uh, this is, a, I guess it's not a bad. It's more of an observation. Um, like I said, now that I'm watching it as a 27-year-old transmasculine person and someone that is living in a rural space, um, I feel like I understand aspects of Max's identity more that, than when I did when I was originally watching it, in that um, he seems very uh, stereotypical by the media standards of what was happening for trans people in 2006. like 
it's all of this talk about wrong body and like very uh, very front headlines of what trans people are described as, um, which doesn't it, it you know as Ariel said it's it's is one per, one trans person's experience so it's not to say that he didn't feel that way but um, he comes from a very rural space isn't he from like Milwaukee or no he's from Skokie Illinois. Skokie, Illinois, and now watching it, I feel like he's, what I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, now that I'm a rural queer person, I understand aspects of Max's identity that, like, for safety reasons, he presents as very binary, um, and that is his experience, but it's also his experience coming from a place where it was much more conservative and it was much more entrenched gender roles. So right. then he enters this world of um, the LA lesbian scene and things get more nuanced in a way. Um, right. Well, which I think, yeah. There's that moment when he fir- they first pull up and he goes to Shane and is like, let's like, let us butches unload the truck. Why? You know what? How about we help you with your bags? Oh, you girls just relax and let us butches unload the truck. Come on, Shane. What? Ow. Big butch. What? Go unload the truck. Or something. Yeah. And Shane is really thrown by that, and Carmen is also really thrown by that. But I think you're right that it's like this very heteronormative idea of like, Shane and I are the masculine ones in the relationship, and Jenny and Carmen are the feminine ones in the relationship. So the masculine ones are going to unload the truck while the ladies, like, chill and watch. Um, yeah, and that's me. I feel like Ariel and I are, like, we're very, like, judgmental of that. And I especially was, like, very judgmental of a lot of Max rural things, I think, as, like, a city queer. And Ariel called me out on a bit of it um, throughout her watching. Really? Like, when? Like, at the restaurant scene, I was, like... I oh, yeah, right. Like, so, so not to throw you under the bus, Hudson, yeah. but <laughs> just to, to discuss a moment... They were going to a really fancy restaurant, and whatever Max wore, Hudson didn't approve of. And Hudson was like, why would he wear that to this fancy restaurant? And I'm like, Hudson, you don't, like, what kind of judge, like, what is your, what is this New York elitism that tells okay. you? It was a cut-off flannel shirt. Whatever. <laughs> Maybe that's all he owns, first of all. And Second of all, on it too. there was no clarification of what restaurant they were going to at all before they got there. Third of all... This idea that you have to look a certain way to get into a certain space is, like, weird and oppressive in general. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right about that, but, yeah, I'm, like, I'm someone who, like, feels, who, who hates standing out, so, like... Oh, yeah. Like, for me, I'm, like, like, oh, why can't you just be wearing, like, all black or something like that, because then no one will notice you, but instead you're wearing, like, cut-off flannel shirt with a white t-shirt and, like, jeans, and, like, so it's, like, me being, like, people are going to judge you because you're in this space, and also me being an elitist New Yorker also judging you for being, like, that in that space. So... It sounds like maybe you were embarrassed for him in a way. Oh, I was. I was. Yeah. Which is an awful feeling to, like, be witnessing that. I don't know. I, I totally felt for him. I, I felt for um, his experience. It's I, It was a total culture clash for him to right. go from uh, being a rural queer that um, for safety reasons passed the majority of the time as um, masculine even in a time when he didn't identify necessarily as trans because he didn't know that existed um, to this world where it's just super you know yeah I, I don't even know how I would describe the world of the LA lesbians on that show, but it's very particular class standards. Right, that whole, that whole dinner party, that whole dinner party is so cringeworthy because it's like, why would they go to that restaurant on their first impression of meeting someone? They choose to go to this restaurant where each entree is like $60. And also, when Max tries to contribute to the conversation, they just look at him like he has three heads and then like continue on with the conversation as though he didn't say anything. He makes that like weird statement about lobsters, but it's just like... I know something interesting about lobsters. What? 
you don't have to put a lid on the pot when you cook female lobsters. Does anybody know why? Mm -hmm. When you cook a pot of male lobsters and they realize they're in this pot of boiling water, they all start totally freaking out. They're like, fuck, we gotta get out of here. And they start making these little ladders and helping each other get out of the pot. So you have to put a lid on the pot to keep them inside. But female lobsters, you don't have to put a lid on the pot because once they realize they're in a pot of boiling water, they all just start grabbing each other and they're like holding each other down. They're like, if I'm gonna die, everyone's gonna die. None of them wants to let any of the other ones get out of the pot. It's a real shame, isn't it? Wow. Those crazy female upstairs <laughs> just <laughs> bitches up to her. Even if you are on a different level as the person you're communicating with, there's a way to make that person feel like they're a part of the group that they all just completely fail at in that moment. It's so disheartening that all of them just let that ball drop. And I mean, that was definitely like a Max sympathetic scene. Like, right. Max is the fish out of water here and they're being assholes towards him. Like, it was, yeah, it was pretty obvious like that people were being really dismissive of him. In that. Right. I think that's another example of how the show um, creators made uh, it clear how they were responding to this character. Um, and how everyone else was responding to him because I feel like some of the things he was saying it was like okay yeah that's fine like it would be flow in a conversation but the the way that it was filmed just created all this space between him and what he shared yeah. and the rest of the group other another another negative I've, I would love Ariel to talk about is like the cancer oh god okay Ariel. so I feel like there is this implicit slash maybe explicit parallel that the show is trying to draw between Max getting top surgery and Dana having to have a mastectomy because she has breast cancer. And there's like this, like, oh, they're both getting their breasts removed. And that's really interesting. And so let's talk about that. And there's this idea that the character of Dana kind of resents Max because he is choosing to get top surgery. Whereas for her, she's not choosing to get top surgery because she has breast cancer. And then there's that moment where Max says to Dana, like, this might be inappropriate for me to say, but it's life or death for me too. And then Dana's like, yeah, but you don't have cancer. I'm really sorry about what you're going through. Thanks. You know, I want you to know that I could understand why you wouldn't want to be around me. I mean, you worked really hard to create the body you have. And, um, you know, your whole life's been in that. You're right. I want you to know, I mean, you don't have to accept this. Maybe I shouldn't even say it, but it's life and death for me too. But you don't have cancer. And it's just this whole idea, I feel like, I can just picture Eileen Chaikin being like, this is so, like, interesting. They're both getting their breasts removed, but for very different reasons. So let's go there and let's draw that parallel. And it's just like, no, it's just kind of fucked up that you're drawing that parallel, that you're saying that, like, being trans is the same thing as having cancer. Like, it's just, uh, yeah. And also dismissive of Max's, like, this is life and death, I think. Like, this wasn't the appropriate moment to bring up, like, the fact that, like, for him, transitioning is giving him a new lease on life. Like, it right, was the right spot to do that. He actually does later tell Dana that he tried to take his own life, and that he feels really uncomfortable in his body and blah, blah, blah. So, um, what did you mean back on the plane about life and death for you? First time I tried to kill myself, I was like 10 years old, and I fought against it because I really believed that it was a sin. But I knew, I was like, I knew this wasn't my life. You were 10 when you tried to kill yourself? Yeah. But I knew this wasn't my life. I was like, I don't know, I thought maybe if I died and I came back, 
God would put me in the right body. So it actually is life and death for him, but the way that Bishop did it was just kind of weird and bad. Yeah. Um, I think Dana responded positively to it, though. So it was almost like projected onto the situation by the creators of the show. I mean, Dana, when they're talking in the like basketball court or something, she follows up and asks him about true. that experience and starts to understand it a little bit more. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like that was what the one of the one examples where one of the characters asks this uh, follow-up question in an open way that provides Max a space to really talk about his identity rather than just perpetually projecting onto him this narrative. Right. That's why Tina was... I mean, Tina... <laughs> He knows what worked. Like, Dana was the best. Yeah, Dana's great. <sighs> oh, there's the storyline where Max dates his boss's daughter. Oh, that's season four, though. Is that season four? Yeah. That's because Max and Jenny break up at the end of season three when she starts hooking up with Cloud. Oh, you're right. And then we can still talk about it. We can it. still talk about it. I mean, it. it's in season four, but Max ends up getting a job at the firm that he was initially denied from later on in the show because he reapplies and he reapplies as a man and gets the position actually he gets a higher position than the one he initially applied for and he ends up dating his boss's daughter because his boss doesn't know that he's trans and sets him up with his sis daughter and the and he dates the daughter and so he and the daughter are like dating for quite a few episodes and then he chooses to disclose that he is trans to the daughter and the daughter like flips out and it's like, you were a liar, you lied to me, you're disgusting, you're a freak, you're horrible. What do you have to tell me? I've always felt like a man, inside, for my whole life. And, I mean, now that I know what that feeling is, I'm physically becoming one. I'm not really sure I understand what you're trying to tell me. Um, I'm going through a transition. I've been taking testosterone for the past year, and I'm under the care of this doctor. And I've been living as a man, and soon I'm physically going to be one as well. I was born a girl, and I mean, I kind of, I still kind of have like a woman's body. I mean, even though I am a man. God. Wait, Brooke. Look, I know this is a lot. You're a freak. I don't date freaks. How dare you? You lie. What do you think I am? Jesus, fuck. I'm a fucking freak. And it's really shitty and bad. Um, and, and also there's this subtle, like, I'm like I'm a better guy because I'm trans. And, like, you're not necessarily a better guy because you're trans. Oh, right. It's the idea that he understands the woman's perspective. It's like, he's like, it, yeah, because this, the whole time, before she knows he's trans, she's like, you're so great, you understand me. I've never had a guy understand me before. I've never had a guy, like, listen to me before. And, you know, the implication is, well, he, he used to be a girl, so he knows what it's like, and he can empathize with her. Um, and that, yeah, and that somehow, because he's trans, he's, like, not misogynistic and not sexist, which, as we know, there are plenty of trans people who are misogynistic and sexist. Also, they make him pregnant. Oh! Yeah, there's also that! And so, it was like not, and it was literally happening. And this is not to like discount the many trans men that decide that carrying a child is part of their journey and their identity. There, there are plenty of people that do that. But um, they did. They made this storyline at the exact same time as the pregnant man was on the head of like Us Weekly and People Magazine. Yeah. So it's straight ripped out of that head headlines there. Yeah. And also he had like he had like a full beard, like three years on tea. I like am so envious of that. <laughs> yeah, he gets pregnant and then his boyfriend like ditches him because he is cranky all the time or some shit. I don't know. Was that season six? That was season six. Season yeah. six is a blur. Season six is a It like leaves with um like Jody's interpreter, I forget his name. Tom. Tom leaves him, yeah. Like, I mean, I honestly did not, like, this was a teaching moment for me because I didn't know that, you know, you could get pregnant while on hormones. I was like, whoa, that's so, 
that's like I couldn't can't believe like I thought you know that the pregnant man had to go off his hormones to get pregnant and like and like uh, actually I when I got I, so personal story when I got my uh, um, IUD put in uh, after being on T for over a year uh, the woman the doctor at uh, at Planned Parenthood was like oh I didn't know you could get pregnant when you're on T and then while she was like inserting it she's like oh yeah you're ovulating right now I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> like so, yeah. no one really knows that like it's it's like yeah I mean it's a I mean that was a good teaching moment that like if you're trans and on hormones don't assume you can't get pregnant so use birth control if you don't want kids <laughs> are you comfortable with that story being yeah podcast? I'm very open about that okay should we go to positives about Max yeah we yeah. can talk about some positives well, Bo, you said you had a list, so if you want to start us off yeah. with... Um, one of the things that... so I think that they try and tackle a lot of different aspects of um, what trans means to Max, and I am grateful for how they depict and how he vocalizes his evolution in regards to... Um, identifying as trans and his own sexuality, so his own evolution with his gender identity, but also his sexuality. And I think where this comes up is more um, in season four or five and six, uh, you know, exploring the relationship with Tom, Jody's interpreter, when um, he was before very much painted as, um, you know, a binary guy attracted to binary women, um, that that was it was interesting that they were exploring that and I really love the character of Billy and um, how Billy helped um, in that interaction Max explore his body and his like sexual preferences and experiences in a more um, open inclusive way than the character was originally written as um, yeah, Billy. Billy is amazing. So Billy is played by Alan Cumming, which already you have to love. And Billy is kind of the person who introduces Max to the idea of being trans, introduces Max to the trans community. He clocks Max, really. Right, he, he clocks Max. Well, he initially meets Max because they're at the planet, of course, and he sees Max from across the room and he's like, who's that handsome guy? And just assumes that Max is a male identified or male person and I think someone is like oh that's a girl but Max but but Billy like sees through it and clocks Max and is like mm, I think there's something else and is like very warm and endearing and encouraging of Max um, he invites Max to this party where a bunch of his trans friends are all hanging out and Biff Naked um, alternative rock singer is there it's like I don't know what why she, what she's doing there, <laughs> um, but yeah. So that's interesting because there's that moment where Billy's inviting Max and Billy's like, "Oh, you should come to this party." And Max is like, "I don't know if I should." And Billy's like, "It's for people like us." Um, I'm on that little party at my place tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should come. Oh, that's cool. Uh, just a few friends, you know. People like us. Some people who've uh, changed their bodies to match up to their brains. And a few who've changed their brains to match up to their bodies. You should bring Jenny in. Come along. I'm not really sure I know what you're talking about. Don't worry, Hanson. We're good people. We have fun. So I'm like, oh, okay, does Billy... Is Billy, like some identification under the trans umbrella because based on the way that that line was said. But then, yeah, then they go to this party and there's all these trans people and one of the trans characters who we looked up and we I cannot figure out if he the, the actor is trans or not, but it seemed as though if the actor is trans, he's stealth, and if he's not trans, then that was a bad casting choice on their part. Although at least it was a cis man playing a trans man, which is maybe slightly better no. than a cis woman playing a trans man. But it's all bad. I I don't know. I think obvious. Yes, it's all bad. The ideal is to have a trans person play a trans person. But I would rather have a trans woman play or a cis woman play a trans woman or a cis, a cis man play a trans man than the other way around because at least you're affirming that person's gender. 
True. Yeah. You're saying... It's a little less bad. It's a little less bad. That doesn't mean that it's fine. Yeah. But it's slightly less bad. Yeah, that... Okay, I I respect that. Um, Anyway... So they go to this party, and it's cute, and Max, like, meets this person who's writing a book and is like, oh, yeah, it's about this girl who becomes a boy. And Max is like, oh, is that your story? And Billy's like, well, maybe it's yours. What's your screenplay about? The life. A girl who becomes a boy. What he goes through. You know, small town. Realizing he's really not a she. No girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Family shit, tea. Top surgery. What's top surgery? A bilateral mastectomy, you know, similar to what a cancer patient would undergo. Except that the nipples are reattached and the chest is reconstructed with male contours. So, uh, it's about your life? Or maybe it's about yours, Lax. Huh? Or, you know, if I'm presuming anything, just to no. please tell me to shut up. No, I mean, I've definitely thought about it. When did you think about it? Oh, since I was a kid. And how come you never told me about it? I don't know. It just never, it just didn't really seem like something you talked about, you know? Oh, you can talk about it, darling. You have to talk about it. Hey, Billy! <laughs> um, and I just think Billy, Billy is very sweet. And then they hook up. Billy and Max hook up. Probably the hottest yeah. sex scene of the it's show. It's such a hot sex scene. It's so hot. It's like so good. And then Jenny walks in and ruins it, of course, because Jenny ruins everything. Also, the promos uh, for that episode, like, were ramping it up. Like, you're going to see a sex scene that's never been seen on TV before. And that was uh, a blowjob with a strap on. Yeah. So, I guess. TV moments, like, yeah, <laughs> right, so that's the thing, but, um, and then I think Max says, like, Max says to Jenny, like, he made me feel like a real guy, he made me feel like a real man. It's just, he made me feel like a real guy, you know? It wasn't just, like, some girl with this thing in her pants. Um, <laughs> you do the Max voice, okay. Well, he's such a bad actor, it's, it's easy to impersonate him, her, um, but... Yeah. So that's good. That's a really hot sex scene. I love Alan Cumming and everything he does. I love that character. I think that it's this beautiful introduction into the trans experience. Um, yeah. He was too good for that show. That's when they wrote him out. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's the way I felt. It was like, here's this amazing relationship that's being expressed in the super hot sex scene in like like consensual and inclusive and has these group of characters that seem to be in healthy relationship to one another and we're now going to write this character off of Jill. Which also happened with hashtag Ivan who we all talked about loving Ivan and then they wrote Ivan out. All the big characters. Yeah. Dana dies. The one, the, the intern that Max is sleeping Oh, with. yeah, that's a sweet baby. I like her. And then she, she, I mean, she gives Max, she's like, you know, like, you know, sometimes you don't just transition gender, you transition sexual, or like your sexuality stays the same when you transition. So, like, she kind of encouraged him to get with yeah. Tom, which was nice. She wasn't like some judgmental thing that. Are you talking about Alice's intern? Maybe, yeah. The name I Julie? really don't. Yeah, no, I was not into that at all. Oh, I was into it. I don't know. Was she was she Alice's intern? I don't remember. I honestly. She was, she was the intern on our chart. I think the reason. Okay, so I think that on many elements she's a good character, but I think she like sexualizes Max's trans identity in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Oh, okay. I honestly haven't watched that part in a while. Like I'm just remembering from like my youths. Um, so yeah, that's a good question. We could rewatch it. Yeah, we should. We should rewatch it. Yeah, I remember liking her also, but that's a good point, though. I would be interested to rewatch it and see how that plays into it. It's very possible that the show wrote it as, oh, here's the person that's having a like positive sexual relationship with Max, and they meant it to be positive. But for me watching it, I'm like, wow, they're trying to be over the top supportive of him being trans and having sex. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that's not really necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I, I can see that point, Bo, of like him being or her being uh, like this character who we're supposed to love her because she accepts Max. Like, and that that alone is like she's a good person because she's not a horrible person. Uh, oh no, I was saying I was say that's probably why I have this like positive recollection recollection of her because I I wasn't viewing it in a more critical and like openly trans identified lens back when I first oh. watched it. And you're like served for it. You're waiting for a character that actually supports Max. So right. I thought it was interesting. This connects back to the bad, problematic thing of how many times um, Max is outed. But um, I feel like there are times when Max self-identifies as trans to people that he was maybe many times he's dealt in the show, and so. Um, I appreciated that nuance that he was exploring that. Like, yeah. uh, I, didn't, I mean, it was definitely a plot plot point, but when he went, he stood up for his coworker at the company that he worked for and said, like, I blatantly know that you guys discriminate because you discriminated against me. Oh, yeah. Um, because, and, like, he had been stealth up to that point in his job and stood up for a female coworker who was turned down for a job over um, a guy that like played golf with the boss but was significantly um, not not qualified for the job uh, and so Max like uh, shared his identity and experience with that company and I feel like there were ways that um, he instead of his narrative as a trans character being out of his control and being dictated by all of this transphobic um, interactions outside of himself, he then, um, throughout his character arc, took like charge of his identity and was seen in these more um, authentic spaces where he was able to share his identity with other people. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I mean, what he what he went through with the job thing is like so real. It's, like, it's unbelievable, like, as a trans person, like, to see, like, before I started hormones, kind of, like, how I was taken at job interviews, like, how seriously I was taken to, like, be on hormones long enough to, like, be viewed as, like, male by people and just not really making assumptions about who I am and, like, like, they got that right. I mean, that's, like, a very obvious thing, but, like, it's true. It's, mm -hmm. it's really, it's really true. Um, so good on them for that. <laughs> okay, what about, okay, what about a closing question or um, a, a question to guide us into a conclusion um, about was it valuable to have him on the show or was there more damage that was done with him as a trans character? It's, that's a really complicated question. Well, I think you could also ask that whole question about the L word in general. <laughs> was the L word a valuable part of entertainment things or was it not? Um, but focusing in specifically on Max, I think, you know, um, the L word was like, you know, a resource for a lot of people and like for folks who might not like be just like googling like FTM on the internet or even know those terms or have that language, you like seeing the L word it could make could be more accessible for a lot of people who may have been struggling with their gender gender identity and, and not not know you know that that was a thing. So in some sense, it, it did bring FTMs or trans masculine people into the spotlight where in like, the trans umbrella, I feel like trans men are kind of left by the wayside in media portrayal. I would, I'm going to say that yes, it is useful to have that, like, it doesn't do more harm than good. I think it, I think yes, it does more good than harm. And my reason for it is related to something I feel about allyship, which is... I personally believe that it's better to try to, like, do ally-related actions and fuck up than to not do it at all. 
So I think they, they, you know, a bunch of cis creators of this lesbian TV show were like, we're going to create a trans character and we're going to talk about trans issues. And they fucked up quite a lot. But in some ways, I would rather have them have tried and fuck up than have had six seasons of The L Word and have there be zero trans representation at all. Um, my only follow-up hope for that is that they would be open to listening to critique of that characterization. And I guess we're going to see because Lord knows the critique is out there and the L word is coming back. So we'll see what happens. Uh, fingers crossed they don't bring Max back. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed they don't bring Max back. Or if they do, that they severely reboot his characterization. Um, I feel like Danielle C. isn't acting really anymore, so hopefully that yeah. plays a factor. Well, good. She doesn't need to be acting anytime soon. Um, Bo, do you have an answer to your own question? Uh, yeah, I guess it's the age-old question of is any representation good representation or whatever that goes, but um, I think with the caveat that it is super painful to watch characters that you're sympathetic towards say really problematic, hurtful things. Um, I do think that it was good that he was included on the show. I think Gina now, as um, someone that's more comfortable in my trans identity, there are aspects that I appreciate about seeing the storyline on a mainstream lesbian TV show. Um, there's also elements that are really painful to watch. Um, but I think that, you know, they tried and they didn't completely, completely miss the mark. There were arcs in there, such as the Billy arc, that um, were included, and I'm grateful for them. So I think that is important that it was included. Um, I also think that, like Hudson says, there's so many people that just don't know the language and don't right. know trans or F to M or that medical transitioning exists in many different ways and um, that there's other people out there that are like them. And so just by having that representation, I think that there is power in all the side characters that were included in Max's storyline because we see more trans representation and just the visual for a trans person seeing a show um, as a reminder that they're not alone and there's other people like them, I think that the more representation that we can have um, is uh, can be a lifesaver. So right. I, I think that it's important that it is shown. I think there's this scene where Max is at a support group and he is surrounded by you know, 15 other trans people and that is so powerful because he yeah. feels like he's able to share his story in a way that a viewer might be feel that they one, to, one day too could be in a room where they were able to share their story with people that had also experienced part of it. Yeah, totally. I. It's like this show passes the trans Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> if such a thing exists because you have more than one trans person in a room at the same time. But they are talking about being trans. They are talking about being trans, that's true. I think that's the trans Bechdel test. It's <laughs> having more than one trans person who talk to each other and they talk about things other than being trans. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do they talk about other things than being trans? No. <laughs> so then it fails. <laughs> so it fails. But it, tra it almost does pass. Like, I feel like all of Max's storyline was about him being trans. It wasn't him being a person that happened to be trans. Right, that's very true. Yeah, and that's the pitfall that uh, most trans characters end up with on most TV shows, it seems like. Even nowadays. Even the Except for, um, oh gosh, that, that one that's on Netflix. But, uh, Orange and New Black? But the, Sense8. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I don't want, I don't want to it. It's good. I'm yeah, it's There's a really rad trans person that is played by a trans actor, and well, thanks for listening, everyone. Tune in next time. Ashley will be back hosting the show. And if you liked us, follow yeah, maybe us we should. You YouTube. can follow us on Instagram. My Instagram name is Ariel 
A-R-I-E-L underscore C-H-I-Q. Ariel Sheik. Can we link them in the show notes? Maybe, yeah. Um, mine is non-boy-nary, all one word. Like, you're spelling non-binary, but instead of B-I-N, it's B-O-Y. Uh, <laughs> non-boy-nary. Get it? <laughs> uh, my Instagram is bo, B-O, like body odor, underscore Remy, R-E-M-Y, underscore grows. So bo, Remy, grows. And there's lots of pictures of fox and dogs. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye. You're great. Bye. Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com. Sometimes.